0: welcome to sound and vision conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process here's the host of sound and vision brian alfred marcia Cottrell is an artist based out of new york city she received her mfa from unc in chapel hill and her BFA from the Tyler School of Art in Philadelphia. She's had solo exhibitions at Derek Eller, Henry Erbach, G-Module in Paris, Eleven Rivington Gallery, Anthony Meyer in San Francisco, and more, including her current show at Van Doren Waxter Gallery. She's had numerous group shows, including ones at the Aldrich Museum, the Drawing Center, SF MoMA, the Wexner in Ohio, the Whitney Museum, and many more. Her work has been covered in Hyperallergic, Wired, Art Info, Modern Painters, The New York Observer, The Village Voice, Art Forum, Time Out New York, and many others, including the New York Times and the Brooklyn Rail. Her work is in the collection of the Art Institute of Chicago, the Museum of Modern Art, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, the National Gallery of Art, SF MoMA, the Morgan Library and Museum, and the Museum Kunstplatz Düsseldorf, just to name a few. She's also won the Lewis Comfort Tiffany Foundation Award and the John Simon Guggenheim Memorial Foundation Award. I met up with Marcia in the final days of her solo show at Van doren waxter Gallery, and on the heels of a group show she'll be in at Bignoli Gallery on Madison Avenue, that will feature her work, along with the work of Joe Baer, Yayoi Kusama, Agnes Martin, Tauba Auerbach, and others called An Eccentric View. We spoke about her unique process making her work on paper, the banjo, gardening, being creative, and much more. Here's our conversation. <laughs> um, it's said, nice too because there's right above you is your piece behind you, which is a nice little reference point.
1: Oh yes, a celestial orb.
0: Yeah, and over my head. Right, it's like a little moon. Right. I, the one thing I wanted to ask about, like, first off is like quiet, because I feel like not only pertaining to, your, you know, speaking voices, but your yes. work. It's just there seems to be a peace or a quiet to it. And I imagine that's uh, something that you're yeah conscious of and yeah. embrace. Yeah. It's not loud work.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you grow up uh, quiet?
1: Well. Yes, I think so. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was quiet necessarily, but I think that my, um, I think my family is generally, you know, they're quiet people.
0: Where'd you grow up? I
1: think. Although they're very, they're also very, they also have a lot to say. Yeah. And, so, both.
0: Are you from the Northeast?
1: I'm from um, suburban Philadelphia. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Like King of Prussia style? <laughs> That's the only suburban Philadelphia I really know.
1: Right. No, um, Plymouth Meeting, which is, um, yeah, Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania.
0: Suburban? Near
1: Norristown. Yeah. Near the Turnpike. Um, yeah.
0: The Turnpike is 76, correct? Right. <laughs> Has it been a while? Don't ask me questions okay, like that. Yeah, I'm yeah, terrible. Sorry. The turnpike <laughs> no, is that okay. road, right? It's that road that goes through.
1: It's that really big road. Goes Where down. you can get you know, you get on and off to go to New York. And Hershey and, and the right? mall is right there. Oh There's yeah. There's Hershey yeah. PA. Yeah. There's um so that's where I grew up. Yeah. So
0: kind of quiet but but they spoke out. <laughs> And did you were you always creative as a kid?
1: Yeah. Um, well, that's a really good question. I think probably yes, but I think that my my childhood. I mean, when I was growing up, we were we were really making things all the time. I don't, you know, I don't know whether I can call it all art. There was a lot of craft going on. My mother went to art school. Oh, really? Actually. In Pennsylvania? Yes. She went to uh, Philadelphia College of Art. It was called PCA. Mm -hmm. And then she went to Tyler. Um,
0: Yeah, that's art school, art school. Yeah.
1: So I grew up um, sort of around that. Her doing ceramics. And going, actually going to Tyler with her when I was, for example, you know, sick
0: from school. <laughs> you get to go to art school.
1: Or I would be home, or maybe I would go with her. Yeah. You know, and sit in the clay studio and watch all these adults doing crazy things with clay, like throwing it at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What kind of? Service? I don't know. <laughs>
1: not my, not my mother, but right. I remember something about something about clay and paper. Lots. I mean, more than that, but it was it was definitely an interesting
0: experience. But, but you were seeing early on that like adults were making art, you know.
1: I yeah, I think so. But but at home it was more uh, craft yeah. oriented, so. We were making things. We were always making things. Um, we were making, you know, functional things. We were making. Um, I learned to sew at a really early age. My mother gave me sewing patterns and fabric when I was in fifth grade, and by sixth grade, I was making my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: so was Things she, you like know,
1: that, and we were doing ceramics and. Um, cooking and baking and, um, gardening, Mm -hmm. really a lot of, a lot of physical kind of work, um, really elaborate, um, projects and, uh, and working outdoors a lot.
0: And this is all through grade school and high school?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe less in high school. Um,
0: You started getting into your own thing, right? Did you have siblings?
1: Yes, I yeah. have. I have a brother. Uh
0: uh-huh. Older or He's younger? Two years older than me. Older,
1: yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So we were really. I'm really grateful for that too. I think that my my mother, in particular, just always was presenting us or me with these um, opportunities to. To work mm-hmm. and to make things, and there was never a question of, "Am I capable, or can I? You know, can I do this?" You know, she'd hand me a paring knife and a big pile of apples, and just say, "Peel these." And there was there wasn't this, you know, idea that I should be, you know, concerned about use, using a knife, or she should be concerned about me using a, a, a sharp knife or something like that.
0: It was just like, do it, make it happen,
1: just do it, just make it happen, you know, making bread, making pies, um you know gardening, I meant which I mentioned, which um you know, I was walking out in the spring and facing this big patch of ground that was impacted with you know packed down with with grass and um and having to sort of take a take a hoe and chop it up yeah. and uh, shake out the wads of grass and um really hoe the entire area um myself with my brother with my mother chop it up until it was fine enough to rake flat and then you know go through and start planning and designing the garden and um Making furrows and planting. I mean, it was real, real work.
0: You were using your hands. You. I was using my hands. You got your work ethic.
1: Yeah. So you asked me if you asked me if I was creative, and I think that I was. But I think, um, and I was, I was drawing. I mean, we never had coloring books. My mother, you know, we weren't allowed to have coloring books in the house. She was giving me big sheets of paper.
0: Is really? <laughs> <laughs> that like consciously you? You're not allowed to color.
1: Not allowed to have coloring books.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting. Like, yeah, so edit.
1: Yeah, large, large pieces of paper on a table with bottles of ink, brushes, objects, maybe natural objects to, yeah. lo- to look at. Um, of course there was clay around because that's what she was doing. Yeah. So we were making things out of clay.
0: was she an awesome. artist like making her work, or was she just artistic and th- was raising the family?
1: I think she was she was making she was she was making functional pottery,
0: yeah isn't ceramic great like clay yeah, it's such a nice thing to be around. I feel like it's yeah, you know, not many kids are subjected to it unless it's that like pottery class that you go to once a month or once in a right. blue moon, but it's such a great thing to be around. And one of the nice parts about teaching is we have a great ceramics department and, you know, going to hang out with like Chris Staley and people like Liz Quackenbush, who are really great ceramicists. It's like a nice thing to be around. It is. Do you it still is. It's so do it once in a while or
1: well, or
0: surround yourself with, I feel like a lot of people who get original, Functional pottery or when you start being around it you really appreciate it and want more of it.
1: I think so You know, there was a really long period of time when I was not um, I was not doing it. I I I did it when I was younger with her she was Part of a community art center in Mm -hmm. our area and really helping to um, run uh, you know, do the programming and and teaching there, and um, I did go there and help with um, Raku firings mm-hmm. outdoors, and which was a really um, exciting experience for me. I think I mean it was very physical. Often these I remember at least the 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 times that I remember were sort of later in the day, maybe toward evening, and so working outside with the kiln, feeling the heat of the kiln, um, seeing this sort of fiery, you know, the hole that you look into, um, the circular hole into the kiln, Um, the, you know, taking, taking these objects out and putting them on the ground and throwing sawdust and paper at them to achieve certain effects with the, the glaze so that was really physical and there are all these smells of smoke and um so I was doing yeah I was doing that and so but for a long time I didn't have any I didn't have any kind of relationship to that and it's really been only recently when I've been back to visit that I sort of was looking around and thinking hey you know oh (laughs) Look, there's that potter's wheel in the corner. Yeah. And I pulled it out one of the last times I was visiting and started to just sort of, I sat down and I bought some clay and sat down and started sort of throwing, yeah. you know, again. Did
0: it come back to you? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, like riding a bike. It did. It See, did. I was never good at it when I took <laughs> classes, so it, was, <laughs> it doesn't come back to me. Because <laughs> sometimes we... Um, I t- teach yeah. this class in Japan and we go to Tokoname, which is one of those schools, original schools of pottery and, right. you know, I try to throw on the wheel, it just doesn't <laughs> it's, it's not like, I, th- I think oh, I've gotten older, maybe I'll be better at this and it doesn't have <laughs> it's a very specific experiential knowledge, I think
1: It is, it is, maybe, maybe it needs to get in there early and uh, um, I don't know I mean, I think it's, you know, it's it's something that oh, that you can learn probably too. It's, but it does feel good to yeah. do. I have no idea what importance it has, right? At this point, I'm just, you know, I just am sort of revisiting it and thinking about the physicality of that that activity. I think because what I do um, in my in my work, what I've been doing in my work is so kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum it's not physical really um, at, at all So I think that I crave that I'm always sort of looking for ways of being more uh, ways of physically engaging with my practice with my you know my studio practice yeah. getting my body more involved.
0: Well, before we go into that, the process of how you're doing your work, did you, when you were in high school, did you think, oh, I want to make art, like, how did you come to that? Because it seems like creative stuff was so ingrained into the day to day. Right. When did you have this realization (laughs) that like, oh, I want to pursue art as something outside of just little things that I'm doing each day, you know?
1: That's a really good question. And it's, it's hard for me to answer. You know, and I've heard other people talk about this and maybe talk about it as, you know, maybe a kind of moment, you know, a a real, a real life. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just was not that way for me.
0: Well, maybe it's because it was so integrated to your daily life that you didn't all of a sudden think, oh, I want to be a painter, or I want to be a drawer, or I want to be a sculptor. You know what I mean? Maybe. It was just something that you felt comfortable doing because it was, you know, part of your upbringing. Yeah,
1: you might be right about that. But I also, I mean, I think I had a lot of questions about it. It took me six years to get through undergraduate school because I went to art school and then I left, and then Mm -hmm. I came back. And when I left, I I went to Tyler School of Art. And I, I... I left and went to and just took classes at Temple University for I guess it was two years. Mm-hmm. I was taking I took a geography class, a geology class. I took literature classes. I think I even took a math class. I have no idea. <laughs> Calculus. I don't even remember. I I don't know why. I think I was torturing myself <laughs> because I'm not. I'm not. Um, math is not you know, easy for me. Yeah. So, so, you know, when I look at that, I think there was some kind of question in my mind.
0: Like exploring. It wasn't
1: like I went to art school. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was searching, but I do, in a way, feel like I'm always, I'm always doing that. So being an artist has been, becoming an artist is something that for me has happened over a long period of time and through many different many changes and I feel like I'm still you know it's just a process yeah. of becoming so it wasn't it wasn't a sudden flash Right. It's like experience, experience
0: based, not like a light switch that you just turn it on. Now I'm an artist. Yeah. I still to this day when people ask me what I do, like if I made someone through the kids school, you know, or like people outside of the circle of friends or whatever. And they're like, oh, what do you do? And I for a moment, I I think to myself, I have to say that I'm an artist as if (laughs) you know what I mean? Like. Okay, here's the part where I tell them I'm an artist and now let's see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, oh, that's a shame. Or, oh, how do you do it? Or, oh, you know, you expect all those questions. And I don't even know if I feel like I'm a quote unquote artist, even though I am. You know what I mean? It's a weird thing to label yourself I Sure.
1: I feel that way all the time. You know, I'm making this work and I'm thinking, what? what am i doing <laughs> i mean i know i know what i'm doing but i um you know it's sometimes unrecognizable to me as you know as art
0: yeah isn't that good though i feel like that means you're kind of really living in a way
1: i hope so like i, I was have...
0: just mentioned like i was just talking Earlier in mentioning that I didn't know what day it was, because I'm just so kind of caught up in what I'm doing that, you know, when you're really uh, into something, and I think yeah. sometimes as a self-employed person, you can lose the days, and I, I think that's a great feeling of like when you don't know exactly what day it is.
1: Oh yes, it seems like a luxury. Yeah, it is definitely. It, it's a it's a it is a luxury. I think.
0: Or is it in a way? Because if you think about it, before we had all this stuff and like tasks and things to do and responsibility, you know, like back in the days of early humans, you just went out and got food and you tried to survive. You know what I mean? You weren't riddled with all these, like the minutia that we have of like keeping track of what day, what time, appointments and all that stuff. So right. I guess it is a luxury in a way, but it's it's also... Um, probably the way it should be,
1: but we are really we are really sort of I think Bound to our schedules and to time. Yeah in a way that um, Perhaps because of these structures in place that we have like right. media, you know our phones um, they they we have to keep track of time it's like I order. guess I'm contradicting. We're contradicting what we just said, but you know, you have this device with you, and yeah. it is displaying the time. It's beeping um, at
0: you, letting you know. Yeah, got to do this gotta
1: constantly. And I think, um, I think to actually be able to step away from that and find spaces or time to not um, away from that yeah. is is really difficult.
0: But healthy, to, to have that sometimes, getting lost in time.
1: Completely, absolutely, completely. I mean, I'm, I'm desperate for that. <laughs> for that. Yeah, it's you like know, the more
0: I... order, the more you desire the beach or the, the drive into the sunset and you know, not being bound by all those right. you know, times and all that. Right. That, that's like the duality of humans, I think, because we need order to kind of make sense of our world in a way. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. like religion or what, you know, calendars and all that stuff is. It's like our, sure. our way of mapping out, like, cause we have no idea what this is all about. But at the same time, there's something nice about living outside of that too.
1: Sure. Of course. No, I, I, I do mm-hmm. <clears throat> agree. And I think my, I think my studio practice, I don't know if it's time to
0: yeah, kind of move into that. Let's but, do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it, what you're saying um, sort of makes me think about my my work and my practice in my studio. And I, re- I had this realization that at a certain point, that I was in a sense trying to slow time down with my the way I was making my work. Um, which, of course, runs counter to the tools that I'm using, which are intended to sort of speed productivity, yeah. um, a printer, a computer, this tool for replication. Um, and that's and, purposeful,
0: and right? Like you're, or did it come naturally? Like that slow sort of um, result or the, the slow read of the viewer, but the sort of speed of the way that it's made you know what I mean or the technology that's it's interacting with which is usually making things faster mm-hmm.
1: I think I think it I think it happened really naturally um, the work that I'm doing now specifically the say this the aperture series drawings which I think I've made maybe 58 or 60 or something of those, at this point, they are, uh, the process is that I'm, you know, laying material down on the paper, I'm putting the paper in the printer and, and printing a, a shape. And then I'm, you know, moving that shape on the screen, changing its size or its position, and then printing it again on the same sheet of paper. And building the image that way and I think that the you know it's as much about the process as it is about the the image in a way mm-hmm. um I feel like you know that the process is additive I can't take any material away off from the paper so I'm constantly building it's it's building in in layers on the sheet of paper and I have to really concentrate and think about my next move or the, you know, the drawing is, you know, ruined or yeah. has to go into the trash can yeah. <laughs> or in the pile of rejects.
0: Now, did this so, process come, did it come out of a working process or was it like a light switch moment of like, I'm going to use this material. How did you get to that? point?
1: Well, you know, I, I was working the the work that I was making in say 2001, mm-hmm. 2002, I was making these larger images and I was creating the entire file on the computer screen. And then I was you know putting it on a disk and taking it to someone who was printing it yeah. for me. And I had this experience. I don't know a couple of times where I'd be working on this really huge file, and my computer crashed, <laughs> and I hadn't saved. Oh no! <laughs> Which was just completely, you know, oops. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally oops. And so I, I realized that I hadn't adjusted my expectation that I was making something permanent to this, you know, to this situation. So I, I, uh, I think that led me to this, to working in a way where I was, in a sense, materially preserving every decision yeah. that I was making on the screen, one at a time on the sheet of paper. So maybe it was kind of a, you know, a pra- almost a practical but I, but you know, I've been very interested in the in the printer as a as a mark making tool. Yeah, and and so that was in there too.
0: Because you didn't always have the printer, right? You had to get them printed at a certain point, and then you were able to, or did you always have? Well, your own I was printing? always
1: making. I was always using a small. I was always using small office laser printers in my mm-hmm. studio, which, which, you know, the maximum size um that you can print with one of those is about 12 by 18 inches yeah so i was making work always there on this scale using Mm -hmm. these office size formats like eight and a half by 11 or eight and a half by 14 11 by 17 i like the kind of mundane quality of that
0: yeah did you ever use a dot matrix printer
1: I didn't. Do
0: you remember those? Yes, I do. What a noise those things make. Yes,
1: I do. I had one. Yeah. Yeah. Way back in the day. Um, but no, I never used one to make work. I, I don't know. I'm really attracted to the, the laser printer. It uses, you know, sometimes there's a lot of confusion about what, my work is or how it's made or what the material is and the material is actually dust it's not ink oh really yeah I've
0: consciously not gone out of my way (laughs) it's gonna sound either irresponsible or lazy or or weird but I've actually not tried to figure out what your work is (laughs) that's okay you know what I mean because it's so it lives in this space that I don't I almost want it to be cosmic mm Mm-hmm you know, because it, it has like a feeling of age to it, like the color of the paper and the material. Mm-hmm. It feels kind of pinhole-y or like a long exposurey. y An old it, photograph, maybe. Yeah. Know. Or it yeah. could be graphite or it could be, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Well, that's really, I think that's, that's great. I, right? I think like that's a mis- okay. little mystery. I think it. that's okay. Nice. I found that a lot of people would like to know how the work is made. Yeah you know what what is it that i'm looking at you know is this a drawing is this a print is this a is this a photograph even with certain images certain work that i've made where there is a very distinct articulated almost pictorial kind of space yeah. you know where does this image come from does this come from a photograph were you looking at a photograph
0: and No oh, i have all those questions in my head <laughs> i just have consciously tried <laughs> yeah, yeah. to yeah. Suppress answering them for myself on the internet.
1: Mm-hmm. You're just letting the work work on you. Or yeah, because it,
0: it, the the mystery okay. is really a nice part about it. I think. Although I ultimately I do want to know how it's made. <laughs> but, you, but you know, there's. Do you think
1: it, you could leave this interview without asking? We could not.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I get talk in trouble by listeners like, how could you not ask how it was made? <laughs> but it's like if you ever go see um, a musician who's playing and doing some electronic stuff. And part of you wants to be like, I wonder what program they're using, or I wonder what pedals, right, their guitar. Right, right. And then part of you is like, I don't want to geek out too much and right. know all that stuff. I kind of like or, the unknown.
1: Right. I mean, I think it's a natural, these are natural questions yeah. to have about tools that are relatively, relatively new. Yeah. You know, oil paint and brushes have been around for a long time and everybody understands those or at least even has some experience with them yeah you know even if they stopped when they were a kid there's a familiarity with it, there's that. a familiarity with it but um, if you take a tool that's used for you know other purposes most people are using a, a desktop computer to to do work yeah not to you know mess around. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Experimental. Make drawings. Yeah, and drawings.
1: yeah. So, which is really how I think about them. I mean, I was drawing with more traditional materials before I started working with the computer. So I think it's, it's been really a natural.
0: Have you edited that out?
1: Have I edited that out? Yeah.
0: Are you kind of and strictly that, working on the computer now?
1: Um, yeah, I, I am. I mean, I, who a knows? A digital
0: artist. <laughs> how could you?
1: <laughs> right. I really I really don't think of myself as a digital. Artist. I love the
0: term, right? Digital artist. <laughs> well, it's so funny.
1: Yeah. I I guess for me, I'm using it in a very, you know, it is like putting mark down on the paper and yeah. then putting another mark down. I mean, it's, it's like hey, it's yeah. kind of like painting. You would take a canvas and. Put something down with a brush.
0: Yeah, or, I say that tongue in cheek. Or you, spill, you know, spill
1: it or whatever. And then you do something else, and then you do something else on that surface. And I'm really doing the same thing. Yeah. But um, using this, I'm really attracted to the. I've been attracted to these marks that are sort of mechanical, mm-hmm. I guess. That I'm not. I don't have to invent anything there, right. you know, in terms of the mark itself. I'm pulling these marks from, you know, the software tool palette. It's a, it's a rectangle. It's a circle. It's a line or some other shape. And I love the idea that, it, that it's, that shape is sort of determined by a mathematical equation and that it's perfect somehow. And yeah. then it's immaterial. I mean, it, it doesn't have a material presence. It's in the screen. It's in that space uh, of the screen. What is that? You know, what is that space? And so taking the shape and making it material on the paper, or building, building those marks and shapes on top of each other uh, on the paper Extracting it from the immaterial space of the, the screen is just really fascinating.
0: Yeah. Well, aesthetically, since you were bringing up the shapes and kind of like the ingredients of making these images, as far as like line, circle, square, and all those things, are you looking back to certain, I mean, what is the relationship between that kind of iconography and your work in art history or the history of aesthetics? I mean, I think of, like, when I saw your work the first time, I was thinking of, like, Hans Richter, you know, these kind of, like, 20s uh, experimental Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. animations, stop-motion animations, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was thinking of, you know, Japanese prints with, like, the moon, the mangetsu, Uh and I was thinking Uh there's a lot of different things that pop up. Like, you know, Bruno Minari's um, book, a triangle, square, right. you know, like things right. like that. Right. Like all that yeah, kind I of Yeah, I think st- all that stuff is in
1: there. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is universal. that something that you're
0: into and looking at and inspired by? I think
1: I'm, yeah, yeah. But I think I'm also just, I think I'm looking at a lot of things. I, I don't consciously, I guess I don't consciously decide to put something in, yeah. you know, to the work. I think I'm just, you know, filtering. I mean, we're all doing that, filtering things, things through. I mean, I've always been attracted to graphic work and drawing and even, you know, black and white photography. Um, uh, I mean, this one exhibition that I saw recently is the, I don't know if you saw this, at the Met, the Hercules Siggers, I'm I never sure I'm pronouncing the name correctly. I this didn't see it. Dutch 17th century landscape painter mm-hmm. who made, who was very innovative with printmaking, mm-hmm. with etching in particular, um, and invented sugar lift.
0: Oh, nice. yeah, process,
1: yeah. And uh, I guess. I've been aware of the work for a very long time. Um, I had a book in college of these prints and paintings, but always just far more attracted to the to the graphic work, to, to the prints. And, you know, at this time when other artists like Rembrandt were making big additions, he was Segers was and please forgive me whoever's listening if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly. <laughs> but he was making perhaps two or three images from a single plate and kind of reworking the plate over and over and being very experimental with the papers that he printed on and um, altering the image and he I feel like he was trying to paint, you know, with Make paintings, but using by using print print processes
0: at a time when people weren't really doing that.
1: No, no, yeah. and I and I, I I can relate to that. It I seems guess. aligned
0: to your process.
1: Yeah, I think I can relate to that, and also just you know in terms of the imagery as well. Mm-hmm. Um, these really you know unpeopled spaces, landscape yeah. spaces that have a sort of Eternal, internal quality. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know if I really answered your
0: question. No, I love that. That's a great, like, um, well, there's, you know, I'm bringing up things that visually.
1: And Charles Birchfield. Oh, yeah. Charles Birchfield landscapes, that kind of energy, Mm -hmm. wacky, crazy, beautiful, um, shimmering, buzzing, you know vision of nature um, that has this really strong psychological component.
0: Yeah, that That sounds like... I I love because there's no way in just looking at your work and not talking to you that I'm thinking of Dutch landscape prints. You know what I mean? So I love that. That's one of the cool things about... Right. Talking well, right. I think about these
1: things, and then right, it's not. Doesn't look like it's really right. there, but yeah. Um, but I mean, well, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to make work that looks like that. I'm just. It's right. more the what's behind the work, I guess.
0: Something speaks to you about like that process and what they were trying to get at, and then the overall aesthetic of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, people think and the that, experimental nature of it too. Right, I mean, right. I mean, uh, in, relative to um, Sager's, I think. You know, the process was, I think his process was very experimental. I think you can see that in the work and this effort and trying and seeking. And it's not easy um, and it's not obvious. I don't know. It's pretty interesting (laughs)
0: that I was thinking, too, of like this experimental music in relation to seeing your work. Oh, yeah. Of People who are doing that kind of stuff with technology. Sure, sure. It's not that dissimilar to your visual process, in a way.
1: Right, right. Oh, well, that's interesting, too, because... Um, uh, no, you're right. I think you're right.
0: But maybe you're listening to Bob Dylan all day in the studio.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not listening to anything in my studio Oh, all really? Day. Silence? Yes. Yes, I can't concentrate. Well, and you're on the
0: computer, too, right?
1: I am, but I'm getting up. I mean, I'm walking back and forth between we with the small work that I'm doing now yeah I'm you know I'm at the desk and then I'm standing up and I'm walking over to the printer and then I'm walking back and back and forth so I'm not just staring at the screen all day
0: it would be really oh. funny if your studio was like a railroad apartment that was like a mile long right and I can <laughs> and <a> exercise <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I actually do that I do stop and sure. and uh And actually exercise, do little exercises sort of in between.
0: Um, It's important, though, because like I do animation and when I'm working on animation for a long, long time, I get that double vision from looking at the screen too long Mm -hmm. where it messes my eyes up.
1: Right. We really need to be careful about these tools. I think that they really can mess us up.
0: Oh, yeah. In the same way that like oil, you know, turpentine. Sure. Sure. I mean, this stuff has yes. its own...
1: Yes, there are hazards. Yeah. There are health hazards.
0: Right, well, having a phone in your pocket or, like, next to your head all the time is right. probably not right. long-term do Right,
1: we don't really know. Right, we'll figure that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're the guinea pigs for that, you know? Uh,
1: we are, yeah. we are. So you yeah, do Yeah, so the walking breaks. back... Yeah, So and the walking back and forth, I was going to say something which is funny to me <clears> when I think about that. You know, I worked in offices for years, and... Um, in publishing, production departments, of magazines. And I, you know, that whole sort of sit at your desk, walk over to the printer, pull something out of the printer, go back to your desk kind yeah. of thing. I mean, it's I, I actually retained that in my <laughs> studio practice.
0: <laughs> you liked it so much. It's And crazy. paper. It's like your work is paper. Yeah. And prints and... Right, right. The, oh,
1: oh, and I knew what you were going to say, what you were saying about music reminded me um, that I wanted to mention that when I first started working with the computer, it was really awkward, really physically awkward. And I I thought about it as not unlike perhaps learning to play a musical instrument for the first time. Yeah. Like, how am I going to relate to this thing? How am I going to interact with it, with my body? And I did almost think of it as, you know, what kind of, what kind of sound can I get out of this? Yeah. And, so, and I think some of the work actually does have that, you know, uh, there are these sort of repeating shapes or vibrations in the, in the images that, yeah. that connect to that. When I first started using it, I was using just the keyboard and I was typing and kind of clicking. And I was really interested in the musicality of that. Oh, so the yeah. first drawings, the first things that I made drawings, I don't know what to call them, but the first things that I made
0: yeah.
1: were came from the keyboard. And oh, I was really? really getting into the musicality of that. So you were
0: just typing letters and that was, became the image?
1: Well, I was typing i was typing more punctuation marks because the letters were too loaded for right, me. Right. I was like, I don't want to see an A or a B on the paper. I just, how about this comma because it's more... Uh, Abstract. Yeah, I guess, or
0: you could like option click a lot of those shapes and stuff, right? Right. You can, right. You can get a lot of different sh- hidden shapes.
1: I know. I wasn't option clicking so much. I was really just, you know, sort of taking what was right there and yeah. I sort of like, you know, um, making these little groups of marks and um, sort of breaking them from the grid, the typewriter grid, and mm-hmm. mo- moving them around. So, but I guess. Yeah. I was talking about the, the computer as this it. awkward instrument yeah. in a sense. I it's did a, think about it that way.
0: Right. And it's funny cause musicians, you know, with the, the advent of like recording software and music programs, they're doing the same thing really. You know, it's like, oh wow, I can make music out of this thing now. I even see it with my son right. when he's recording in garage band. Sure. And he's just like, although they're way better than we are <laughs> <laughs> they but you know finding are, right. quickly like oh this patch and this sound and like moving things around and mm-hmm. you know you have, it's a relationship to an instrument just like an exacto blade or you know a printer or a paintbrush or whatever so there's right, right. there's a lot more stuff going on sure. in one little package
1: yeah yeah trying to find some sort of sense of uh, fluidity mm-hmm. and with your with your the tools that you're using um, which was, you know, f- not obvious for me with the with the computer at all. It just seemed like I felt like more like I was trying to carve a piece of stone yeah. or something like that. I'm got a chisel and a hammer, and I'm um, that's really I'm just banging into this thing. How am I gonna achieve any sense of malleability, fluidity, or rhythm, or something like that? It's, it's taken nice a really though. long time yeah. to to achieve that yeah. for better or worse right like, right, slow burn <laughs> could have just been making paintings <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's nice when but, you do hit your sweet spot and you feel like oh I can use this to create my thing like something that's so universally used for so many different right you know standard options right. and then like I can use this instrument and make it totally mine right in the way that I'm creating things out of right. it that's kind of a cool feeling
1: well it's also led me to make certain kinds of work I mean yeah. I, I I don't think I've ever had an idea and said, okay, I'm going to make it with the computer. It's more of a conversation or it's showing me what, you know, it's sort of, I'm working with it, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that I could do with the computer that I'm just not interested in, Right. I guess. So I'm always sort of sidestepping those things or trying to get around them toward this more, I don't know, uh, this more surprising thing. Right. Um, and, you know, back to what, you know, we were talking about earlier about childhood and experience with things and making things, I feel like maybe working with a computer was you know, it was kind of really a choice in a way because I, I didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. I think it was really just, I don't have any control over this environment at all. I don't know what I'm doing. And um, I think that it was the opposite. You know, I felt so capable of kind of working with other kinds of tools and materials that I almost, I had to set that aside. And that was actually after, after moving to New York, after graduate school, I sort of started all over again. Yeah. Um, in a way, I feel because of that, it's kind of like I feel self, self self-taught in a way. Right, you had to learn all over again. I sort of, yeah, it was just sort of figuring out how to, how to work, um, well, when you were with dis- this really unknown in this really unknown to me anyway environment. Yeah. So, which was of course was influenced by what I had done before and all my experience. Yeah.
0: So, it's just it infl- another it informs uh, that it's process. It's another, tool, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I felt the same way you were describing that, you know, this could be used for so many things and I felt the same way about a paintbrush, you know, it's like I feel like the paintbrush there's so many different ways you can paint with it and so many things you could do with it and I, I kind of like taught myself well really no one really teaches you how to paint you have to teach yourself I mean you'll get right. pointers or but really you gotta use yeah. it to get it you
1: yeah know? you have to sort of put it through it has to go through your own like a musical your instrument wi- you're wiring in a way it's yeah, yeah. shaping the kind of your electricity or, right,
0: right yeah um, like if you're taking tuba lessons no one's gonna play it for you Mm -hmm. You have to put your mouth on the mouthpiece and play it. You know, Mm -hmm. they could describe things, but you have to learn it. Same thing with paint. Yes. And the paintbrush can do so much more than what I tell it to do. (laughs) But I like my way of working with it. You know what I mean? You kind of find your way. Sure. And I think I'm guessing that's... the fun part. yeah, Yeah, right? And I guess that's what you're doing with the computer in a way is finding your way of using it to create what you want to create. Right.
1: It's so funny. Or I don't know what I want to create always. Yeah. And it's, and it's. um, Oh, that can happen. Right. I'm working with its limitations. Yeah. Or, yeah.
0: Do you get. I wonder if you less so than a lot of other people get the questions of working as, you know, an artist that works with digital media because your work doesn't necessarily look Computery, Do you know what I mean? Right,
1: right. Because think... some
0: people make paintings that look kind of graphic or use, you know, let's say someone's like an 8-bit painter mm-hmm. and they're doing pixelated images or whatever. And sure. they're like, oh, computer guy. Right. But they never use a computer. Mm-hmm. And um, I wonder if you get that at all or what the response is to that maybe, maybe they don't know how it's made. Maybe it's just questions of like, oh, how do you do it? But do you mm-hmm. ever get put d- in shows or get talked about as... Like, you know, not a digital artist, but someone who's wor- working with digital media.
1: Um, you know, I don't, I think it's, I think it's mixed. I think people who know about the work and maybe have read something about it, you know, know that how, you know, know a bit about my process. Right. I think people who have never seen it before don't, would not necessarily assume that there is any kind of digital process involved.
0: It's kind of nice, so, isn't it, that you're
1: um I yeah, I guess I mean I'm not trying to hide, you know, I'm not yeah. trying to hide that fact or cover it over or tr- you know, it's right. not like a <sighs> um
0: But it's not every question you get.
1: No, but I do get a lot of questions about how the work is right, made. Right, right. Many questions about how it's made. Which is is fine. I don't know if it if it you know gets it, gets in the way of a different mm-hmm. conversation, but um, people are really curious. Yeah. About about how it how it how it is made.
0: What is uh, mysterious is a word that I would use to describe your work. <laughs> There's a mystery to it, and it's intriguing. I think.
1: That's that's nice. I like I like yeah. mystery. <laughs> and there's I'll all, take mystery. Yeah.
0: Right. There's also, yeah. uh, you know, color printers and you're not using those. So what is the. Yeah. What is the editing out of color?
1: Right. Well, you know, on a certain level, it's practical in mm-hmm. that um, there are color laser printers. Yeah. But um, I know the color. This is funny. This will just <laughs> I know the color is um, not doesn't. Last? It's not light fast.
0: It's non archival.
1: It's not archival. Yeah. <laughs> so who cares, right? I don't know whether it matters. Um, so I think in the beginning, when I first started working, I just wasn't thinking about color because yeah. of that. But another thing is, is that the the toner. I mean, I love toner. I love toner. It's so. And this particular toner with this particular machine, the way that the color of it, the, the richness of the black, the velvety sort of quality that I can achieve in the tones. So, um, an ink does not do that. So if I was using a black and white inkjet printer, I would not be able to make what I'm making. So I've experimented with inkjet printers yeah. as well. So the material soaks into the paper, mm-hmm. whereas here it's actually sitting on the paper and it's interacting. Each layer is interacting with the layer below because of the DPI of the, the resolution of the printer, which is very high. Yeah. So um, anyway. Yeah, it's deep. Just, uh, you
0: get a real depth. It's, and uh, the one behind you yeah. is like the void. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how you know, rich because you right. know if someone says to me laser printer I don't think off you know the top of my head like oh that's going to be a deep rich black but mm-hmm. it is right you know, it's
1: this really cool material yeah. I mean it's, it's like Xerox I mean there's sort of a precedent artists have used yeah. Xerox right um, that's what it, that's essentially what it is yeah. but I'm just layering many layers on the same sheet of paper
0: so, and I can't get. So,
1: there's no image on the screen. You know, there's no image on the screen. I'm yeah. not sort of making an image like you I'm would it have out. a photograph on the screen and then print it out. Right. It's that the, the image is sort of being built, it's processing, so materializing slowly on the page, yeah. kind of like a photograph in a developing tray. Something like that might be an analogy.
0: It's pretty cool. Thanks. So, I can't get over the music thing. So silence when you're working. I know what music do you like? I you... wish
1: I could you know, I want music, yeah, in my life.
0: Oh, you just I, you're not really we listening were, to. A we lot. were
1: talking about that when when I first came in, and i I think that I want to be a person who seeks out music, but it's really a time thing for me. i I'm so busy and you know I don't I haven't I haven't made the time I haven't found the time to sort of seek out um, music I just got on Spotify <laughs> just started using Spotify recently and so you know I think that finding friends who's whose musical interests might, um, be interesting also interesting to me I yeah, might want to you know I would like to follow them or something but right. actually sort of seeking out music is just really something I, I can't seem to find the time for though though well, I love I it but I don't I, but I don't listen to music in the studio which yeah I was saying. that's I just, a big part of it because I just can't con- and that's a lot of my day yeah, yeah so so think about it I'm in there I'm not listening to music there and then you know I'm leaving I'm going I'm picking up my daughter I'm is you she know, a music fan?
0: Kids love music, right? <laughs> or no, she's not?
1: No, she is. She has very specific interests in music. She um, she plays the banjo. Nice. Yeah, she asked to play the banjo. Um, and, you know, so she my husband and I or? were, well, not bluegrass per se, but kind of folk yeah. music. Yeah. So she, I thought that you couldn't, you know, you couldn't learn a banjo as a first instrument. <laughs> I thought you need to, you know, and maybe piano or violin. <laughs> she went
0: straight to You can't to really cool. start with a banjo, can you? <laughs> sure, you can. And
1: then, um, uh, then it became clear that you know she could. Yeah. And so, and she, she, you know, she's picked it up really, really well, and uh, really enjoys it. That's I mean, She doesn't. She doesn't. I don't know whether I should be talking about her here. She might not like that, but <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't She's really like mainstream music. <laughs> yeah. You know, she the kind of music you might hear if you go into stores, I mean occasionally, but she sort of, you know, cringes a little yeah. from with that. And so she has been able to express very clearly from an early age sort of what she what she likes and doesn't like it's great. in terms of sound. Yeah, yeah. So, and I can relate too, I think. I mean, I, I really recoil from any kind of grinding, you know, head, you know, loud, yeah, to, yeah. you know, uh, pop music, whatever. Right.
0: No, it's, it's good to have discerning tastes at a young age. <laughs> The banjo is a great instrument because it has a, a little neck, so it's a little easier to play than like yes. a standard guitar because you can get your hand around. it. You can
1: it. get your hand around yeah, it, yeah, like and a it, ukulele. It's I mean. amazing. I love watching her play, and it's such a joy. Yeah, um, and she won't always, she won't always do it though. Only when you're lucky. <laughs> she sometimes she goes and practices in her room, and she closes the oh, door. Oh,
0: oh, that kind of you like. And I was yeah.
1: You know, you can leave it open or yeah. I, because it genuinely makes, you know, it just makes, it's, it's happy. Yeah. It's, it's really feels good to see her doing that. And how old is she? She's 11. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny because my son is into Metallica and stuff like that. And he plays in a, like a heavy metal band. Oh, cool. And it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Yeah, he's like, everyone, watch. It's now my turn.
1: Right. They should get together. I yeah, don't right. know, like a uh, uh, sort of blend. Uh,
0: blend it together. Banjos and like distortion. I mean, he yeah, plays acoustic yeah. Distorted guitar, too. Distorted banjos. Yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Like flattened and Scruggs meets Metallica.
1: Yes, yes. So let's do it.
0: <laughs> I wonder if, I feel like there might be a heavy metal bluegrass band out there somewhere. It's a, it's a new sure. genre. I'm
1: <laughs> sure. I'm sure there is. There's everything out there. Yeah, that's true. Right?
0: Right. Well, so your show, how long is it? It's towards the tail end of your show, correct.
1: Yeah, we're we're heading into the final week. Yeah. So it closes on the 21st.
0: Okay, and how else can April. people get to see your work online, um, gallery site?
1: Sure, yeah, gallery website, Van Doren Waxter Mm-hmm.
0: are you a big social media um, person Anthony
1: Meyer fine arts oh in San Francisco in San Francisco nice and, um, just had a show at uh, a gallery called Petra Rink in Dusseldorf in did you go
0: over her? I did how was it
1: nice I had been there before yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's I like Dusseldorf I've it's never been it's a really kind of lovely city and people are so sweet so so nice yeah, and
0: In German. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've only had good, you know, good experiences. Yeah, that's great. There.
0: And do are you, sorry, are you a social media person?
1: Oh, I do have an Instagram account.
0: So people should follow that. It's just your name. Yes. Correct,
1: yeah. Yes, it's my name. Okay. Yeah, and I'm on Facebook, but it seems like, you know, people are... I, I don't are, use it that much, and people are leaving Facebook. Yeah,
0: people are pulling the ripcord on that. <laughs> There's so
1: much going on <laughs> with Facebook. Everyone's just kind of, like,
0: slowly walking away. Right, right. It's like, right. all right, I think I'll move over to right. Instagram, which is owned by Facebook.
1: I know, I know, it's true. And, you know, I don't know, people are really... Have, I saw people really organizing a lot, yeah. you know, around the political situation, organizing on Facebook. And I'm, you know, I... I would like to have, you know, participated, to be participating more in that. But I, you know, I wonder, I mean, people will find each other. Yeah. I guess no matter what. Oh, but yeah. I've thought about that. You know, people are leaving and um, it is an, an important way of, of, of staying connected with people. You're right. Sitting there thinking, no, don't, don't yeah, yeah. leave. <laughs> kind of
0: need you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a natural reaction, I guess, against yes. all this right you know being out there stuff sure it's like saturation
1: yeah
0: all right well thanks for meeting me today oh, the show you. looks great thank
1: you so much
0: and I've been a big fan of the work so it's really nice to meet you and talk
1: yeah it's really great to meet you too and I appreciate you taking the time thank
0: you to talk. Sound & Vision is recorded, produced, and edited by myself, Brian Alfred. You can follow Sound & Vision on Instagram at Sound & Vision Podcast, and you can find the podcast, more information and images I take from the podcasts at soundedvisionpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can make a donation of any amount on the webpage. The intro music and introduction was lended by Michael Lovett of the band Nazca Lines. You can catch Michael moonlighting in the band Metronomy. The artist introduction music and outro music was provided by Lollatone. For more information about myself and my artwork, check out my website paintchanger.com or find my work at Miles McHenry Gallery in New York City, Maho Kubota Gallery in Tokyo, Hezi Cohen Gallery in Tel Aviv, and Studio La Chita Gallery in Verona. Thank you for listening.